What's up, everybody? And welcome back to the Outfielder Podcast, episode number 70, brought to you by Sensibly Loud Media. I am your host, J-Mac, a.k.a. founder numero uno, and I am joined by my co-host, who is currently in the on-deck circle. Let's see what's going on with him. Ladies and gentlemen, now batting cleanup for the Outfielder Podcast, number three, the great Sam Bino. Good evening, Sam. Hello. How are you? Good, man. How's it going? Really, really well. I had a productive Monday. There's a summer shower going on in front of me. It's nice. Yeah, we're back. Just you and I, two two weeks in a row in the studio. I think Ben will be back next week. But uh, yeah, just us flying solo again. So Hopefully he's doing something fun with his vacation time, well earned. Mm-hmm. Something like that. I, I, I chose to think that he should be here working because we are. Is this work? This is baseball season. This is... No, it's fun. <laughs> I think I, you know. I think in preparation for this meeting, I worked for about eleven minutes. You actually did a lot more work for this episode than than I did, probably, just given everything we're going to talk about here and some of the things you broke down and some of the data you fucking showed me earlier. I went deep into the stat hole, deep, deep into that stat hole. We need to find that drop. That's around here somewhere. The stat hole <laughs> drop. That's a good one. That's a very early on drop. Um, rivalry week went. Fuck. Kind of boring, honestly. Well, you know, it was going so very well for Ben and I. We took the first two games against the Red Sox, and, you know, a split is fine, um, but we really had you guys by the throat to take the series win, and we totally spoiled it. We gave up the last two games, and we split the series. They really got crushed at the end. They did. It was some spirited play, though, and there was some fire on both sides. I mean, we'll talk about it here in a little bit more, but... I mean, both managers got tossed, players got tossed in that series. I mean, it was it was definitely a, a spirited bout, for sure. Uh, yeah, for sure. Lots of runs scored as well. Um, classic. Classic Boston, classic uh, Rangers. Rangers just had worse pitching, obviously. Yeah, I get that. I think, I think there's a lot of surprises, though, on that pitching staff overall that have done well for Texas. I mean, Lance Lynn's been fine. Lance Lynn has been quite fine, and Mike Miner is our ace? Question mark. I mean, that's what it would seem. Yeah, and he's you know he's good as long as he's healthy. Um, but we lost we lost our good friend Hunter Pence to the DL not moments ago, which is super sad. Had to have seen that coming, right? Um, I guess. I mean, is he that injury prone? I think he has kind of been over his career. I mean, he's just. I guess what I mean is things have just been going way too well for him. Yeah, and I think I've I've been saying we're like one or two injuries away from dropping many more games, and that that's probably the first of a couple of injuries that we sustain. Um, and Hunter Pence is like our easily our best hitter right the second. I mean the the lineup has been pretty fluid though. Like people have been hitting. Odor's actually been hitting a little bit. I mean, he's still hitting below the Mendoza line. Is he really? I think so. Okay. Last I checked, it was one eighty something. Oh mercy. Yeah, I know he got off to a really rough start, but I don't. I thought that he had kind of pulled himself out of that some. I think he's had some clutch hits and you know maybe better OBP, but I, I don't think it's like truly a resurgence here. Let's see. Oh b- mercy, he's batting he's one eighty. <laughs> Is that not what I just said? It's absolutely what you just said. Okay, <laughs> I'm I misspoke then. That's me and my ignorance here with uh, okay. a Rangers player. I really thought I had kind of seen that he had pulled himself out of a hole a little bit, but clearly not with a 261 on base and a 602 OPS. 
He has eight home runs, though. That's like those numbers are mismatched, right? I feel like I saw a couple of those whenever I was there the other night. And whenever you can parse them out, whenever they're in single digits and you're more than a, I mean, almost halfway into the season, that's not great. Yeah. I mean, he had a grand slam the other day. That's, you know, you're seeing stuff like that. I still feel like they've top to bottom hit a lot better than they could or were expected to. Oh, yeah. What was Hunter Pence's injury? Do you know? It was a groin injury. I, I listened to an interview earlier and he said he wanted to leave the game because he'd never injured his groin before and he was surprised by like it quote unquote grabbing him. Um, mm-hmm. And that was just a, a line that caught my attention. That's really, I, I get what he's set, trying to say, but it was a really weird way to say it. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, the groin, I mean, that's not too bad. I mean, he'll be out. Not, I mean, they put him on the 10 day, right? Yeah, they put him on the 10. He'll probably miss it. Well, we'll see. I don't know the severity. Probably the minimum, I would think. He didn't seem that disparaged. How long can, like, we've talked a lot about him already and just how, like, the hometown jolt may be helping him a little bit. I mean, how yes. long do you feel like that could last? I mean, I've it's seen lasted it. all season. Yeah, He's I know. 294, 15 home runs, 48 RBIs. He's doing really, really well. And I, I don't think that's anything to sneeze at. I think. I, you just, I wonder if that's the case, though. What happens if you ship him out of here? Yeah. I mean, if you ship him out, it could be a different story. But that's the gamble you take during the, the trade deadline talks. Sure. Uh, I guess I'm more worried about how he responds to an injury, right? That'll that'll throw a guy's technique. He's in he's in the groove. Um, and then he's got to be sidelined for at least 10 days. That'll probably be, um, it'll be interesting to watch. I'd imagine he would be with the team the whole time, though. So, I mean, hopefully it doesn't throw off his cadences. I mean, you've got to try to remain normal as much as possible in a situation like that, especially when it's that short term. Yeah, I'm wondering, like, I'm not familiar enough with groin injuries to say, but can he, like, take half swings or something? Or is it is it really the running that gets to him? I don't know. Probably they'll restrict all movement. Though. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a little bit of both because you're coming through with your legs and everything. So, I mean... Yeah. It's definitely a little bit of both. And it's probably mostly mostly precautionary to really rest him and make sure he gets the rest he needs because they've got a long way to go so far. And especially, I mean, we've talked about this a lot too. They should be trying to stockpile pieces to trade at this deadline. And I think this deadline is going to be really interesting this year just given that there's no more non-waiver trade deadline, which I have to explain to so many people. So I'm glad that that's not a thing anymore. Oh, yeah. I think we've explained it enough on this show. I know but essentially we have. all of the all of the trading will happen before a single date instead of multiple dates. Right. Like one in July and one again in August. It's like, no, here's the hard deadline. Just get it done. Jason and I were talking about on the other on Perpetually Correct the other day. The last person aside from Justin Verlander that got traded at the non waiver trade deadline that we could really remember was uh, Alex Rios. Oh, wow. I <laughs> forgot about him. He yeah. was long and lean. That guy. Yeah, he was. He sure was. Wow. But uh, anyway, I just think that that's going to, I really feel like that's going to drum up more urgency. And I'm wondering if you're going to see more of what we're seeing from like what the Yankees just did, where they just inquired Edwin Encarnacion. I just wonder if you're going to start seeing some of that stuff earlier. I think you'll see it earlier. I think you'll also see more boneheaded moves, which I mean, I'm a huge fan. I'm all for teams <laughs> doing absolutely dumb shit. I love it every single time when it happens. Yeah, there'll they'll be a team who thinks that they need to go get something and they go get it like way too early um, and it just doesn't work out. Oh, that, yeah, that's how you end up with Drew Pomerantz. Yes. 
He's not that good anymore. Uh, he was not that good to begin with. He was never as good as he was pitching in San Diego that year. It's fair. He definitely was not that guy. <laughs> but yeah, man, I think like they just have to keep the wheels on the cart, right? That's all they've got to do. Until you got to go sell the cart. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's fine. Who cares at that point? <laughs> one more month. They need Hunter Pence to get well and for him to hit like, you know, 275 when he returns within that two week stretch, three week stretch, and then they'll send him away. And then you put everybody up for sale, right? Yeah, you have to. Right? Who, who Who's off limits to you? Um, off limits are your big money guys, your Rubned, your Andrews. Um, you, you hang on to um, Jose Leclerc, who we just threw some money at, even though he's having a shit season. If John Daniels finds someone to take that Rude Neto door contract on, he will win GM of the year. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen, given the <laughs> stats we just outlined. <laughs> right, that's what I'm saying. I agree. If he finds some sucker to take that deal, that's that's impressive. Yeah, I mean, as Drupal Cabrera, has, he came out of the gate swinging, and he crushed the ball. Um, he's actually had a, a pretty good season for Texas. I wouldn't be surprised if he somehow ends up on the Mets again. That wouldn't uh, be surprising. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, maybe he makes it back onto the fills to play with Odubel Herrera. Wouldn't that be something? I don't think Odubel Herrera is going to be playing anything anytime soon. I don't think so either. Yeah, it's a shame. Actually, it's not. That guy's an asshole. Fuck him. Uh, you know who else is off limits is the Big Chill. Who's the Big Nomar, Chill? Nomar Mazzara. That's his nickname. Oh, really? Chill. I haven't heard that. Yep. Okay, he's so... A, he's a young guy with, you know, club control for a while. I bet they hang on to him. I would... Joey Gallo. Gallo. Also. It was the next one I was going to say. And then also Willie Calhoun. It's probably something uh, I, I bet they're sick of him. Uh, maybe, but you traded for him. You traded you Darvish for him. So you've got to hang on to him a little longer and see what he is. You just you don't, know, I, don't let him sleep on his shoulder. That's hindsight all is on our side on that one. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But hopefully you got a really good piece. I mean, he was a highly touted prospect for the Dodgers. Yeah, we didn't get... A better Dodger. I don't. I don't know if it was Cody or somebody, but it was somebody else that they didn't give up. They w- they tried to overplay their hand a little bit, and they barely got the trade done. Yeah. So I think that was a really dangerous move to make because mm-hmm. it did not look like they were going to trade him. In which case, they would have been fools to have done that. Absolute fools. And he has not been great. So <laughs> works out. <laughs> works out all right. Uh, but yeah, so I think. Rivalry week was fun. We don't have another one until like September or something like that. Oh man, when like garbage baseball really is in full gear. Yeah, they don't let you. None of the games matter for the Rangers. Well, I think though it's going to be interesting because you're not allowed to expand rosters in September anymore. Right. So that's going to lead to, I mean, because that's when you just see so much crap baseball because you're just running out guys to get them some reps in. Yeah, I mean you'll you'll have a lot of guys on Boston side who might make like spot starts. They might go a whole week with just spot starting, get like long relievers or something. Well, not anymore though, now that they can't carry expanded rosters. Well, whoever it is in the bullpen that doesn't get to start, they'll just, they're going to run them out there. You're right. Right. I, I, I feel like that's going to be, I don't, I feel like that's going to actually help it. I really do. But nonetheless, I, I mean, for you guys sake, I would hope that the Rangers have put themselves out of it at that point. Yeah. And I hope we're not trying to win. Yeah, you don't want to try to win baseball games if you can help it because, <laughs> because you know, it's really a, it's a nosedive type situation that should have been burned down long ago. But 
and for their sake, they deserve to be good. Like they've got some decent pieces that they could kind of build around if they just restock things a little bit. Yeah, maybe you have an answer to this. Maybe there is an answer. Like, what is the incentive to be middling? There's none. Right. There's never in any sport. That's the worst thing you can do. Because Ticket sales, I guess. That, I guess. That's the only thing I can think of. But then you're forced to go out and acquire everything in free agency, and that's just really tough to do because you're bidding against so many other teams. For sure. And it just there's there's a lot of theory behind growing your talent and then bringing in your J.D. Martinez or whoever you need to fill out the roster or Giancarlo Stanton or, you know, who, however you want to look at whatever team you want to look at for that. Yeah, for sure. And I think for the Rangers before the opening of the new ballpark, you got to have a fire sale and bring in a bunch of hot talent and be good in like two or three years. I agree. And I'm not that. talking like playoffs deep in playoffs. Good. I'm talking like compete for the division. Good on the come up for sure. Yeah. And I think there's this, stigma around like giving up that they don't ever tend to really want to like embrace and i get that because it's fucking 110 degrees in august when you're trying to put asses in the seats as it is so i i get the side of wanting to put a decent product on the field for the sake of ticket sales but man like they deserve better than just middling along and they've prattled and prattled and prattled for I mean, really, since their their World Series runs. Yeah, it's never been great since. They were, um, I, I was thinking about this the other day, though. They were like, the year that they traded for Cliff Lee, that was what, 2009? That sounds correct. So, two thousand, yeah, 2009, and then they were a little bit, ahead, like, they had that young core, and they were on the come up for sure, and they were really electric. They weren't quite there yet when they traded right. for him. I mean, they were like a 500 ball club. They had, I want to say, their worst attendance, like home attendance game the day before they traded for Cliff Lee. Really? Yes. So I, I remember that being a big thing. And, I mean, that's what a free agent acquisition can do to your team and help give you confidence. But they weren't quite there until the next year. And that next year, they were electric yeah. as shit. I think that, that year, Neftali Feliz had like 53 saves or some shit like that. And we had like Cliff Lee... And did we have Cole Hamels yet? No, no not yet. A great starting rotation, nonetheless, um, making it through a lot of a lot of good games. Sad. They, I mean, they were. There wasn't a team in the league that could beat them. There really wasn't. I mean, they rolled. The fact that they didn't get a ring out of that is absolutely astounding. <sighs> yeah, that's okay. Not to rub it in. I'm just saying they were really fucking good. I appreciate that. Yeah, silver lining. Indeed. All right. Well. With that spirit, let's do the POS corner then. This is Paul Ramham from WBAT in Cincinnati. We interrupt this regular schedule of programming to bring you this breaking news bulletin. It appears that people have been called pieces of shit from around the globe. Baseball players in particular seem to be the main target. However, no person, concept, or universe is exempt from this cruel but very usual punishment. The perpetrator has been identified as the great Sambino. Police have confirmed that he is still at large and about to take his piece of shit corner. Ding, ding, ding. Huge piece of shit. (laughs) On this day, June 17th, 2019, the piece of shit for the Outfielder podcast is the San Diego Padres. Ooh, tell me more. The San Diego Padres have been playing baseball since 1969. It's 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 been around for a while. Considerable chunk of time. Yeah, 
in that time, they have played near as makes no difference 8,000 games. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yep. They have lost 4,302 of those games. They have the lowest winning percentage <laughs> of any club. <laughs> it gets worse. It gets way worse. That is astoundingly bad. Okay, go ahead. They, they have the lowest win percentage at 461. So they lose, uh, you know, 54% of their games. That's really not great. No. The Yankees win 54% of their games. They're at the very top. <laughs> okay. Okay, so of their losses, 4,302, um, s- 766 of them, that's 18%. Mm-hmm. 18% of their losses, they were down six or more runs in the ninth inning. Holy shit. Good Lord. So I bring this up because during the Padres Rockies series, which was historic in its own right, that ser- that four-game series between the Rockies and the Padres had 92 runs scored. Um, this is a small tangent. It's not about the piece of shit. Just bringing up the fact that uh, the Padres were a part of this. They scored 92 runs between the teams. That's the most ever. The last record was 88 runs in four games, and that was in 1929. So huge series, lots of runs scored. Um, yeah, was it one of those games like 16 to 12 or something like that? Yes, this is this is the game that brought me down this stat hole. Okay, because the Padres were down six runs in the ninth, and in of that of that sample size, it's now seven hundred and sixty-seven games. They've won one of them. Holy shit! So they are one and six hundred seven hundred and sixty-six when down by six runs in the ninth. That's fine. Pretty good. Like the, the win percentage for a team who's down by six in the ninth is like 0.4%. It's really low. Like nobody sure. expects them. They, they won one. That's fine. Now, here's where it gets really scary. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> Holy God, this gets worse. It gets worse. Oh, boy. All so, right. in all of MLB history, there's near as makes no difference 218,000 games played. Okay. Okay. And 7,831 of them had a six-run deficit in the ninth. Okay. 766 of those 8,000 losses are the Padres. Padres. So 10% 10 of all the losses when entering the ninth by losing by six runs, 10% of those are by the Padres. Holy moly. So uh, they've just lost a lot of games by a lot of runs. They've just always been bad i don't remember a time when they were good they haven't been good like they are literally the new york knicks of baseball they have never really been good i think they won 90 something games in like 1998 and then i think maybe like 84 they had a good season who the hell was on that team let's take a look at that real quick (laughs) so let me just recap that bottom line there yeah yeah go ahead do that there have been 7831 games uh in all of mlb history where there's been a six-run deficit in the ninth inning. You can, you can classify that as a blowout. And 10% of them are owned by the Padres. There are 30 baseball teams. That is so ridiculous. I just, I don't, so it really goes against the logic that we were just talking about where, oh my God, Bruce Bochy was the manager of the 98 Padres. All right, we're going to dive into that in just a second. Um, oh, hold on. I, I have one more little tiny stat um, on that one. Okay. So for, you know, it's six, 766 games that they've lost going into the ninth inning with a six run deficit. 
That is equivalent to four and three quarters seasons worth of games. <laughs> that is unbelievable. That is That's so many games. games. That's a lot of fucking bad baseball. That a Could lot you of imagine want. that many games in a row where you get blown the fuck out? I just don't understand how they're not any kind of draw. Like I'm, I'm stunned. I'm still stunned that Manny Machado signed there. I know it's crazy. But like they ha- like that's a uh, like they have a cool like I would say a pretty decent uniform set. They've got cool colors to work with. They've got an awesome ballpark. Petco is incredible. Yeah. And great town. Yeah, a great town. It's 75 degrees in San Diego all the time. It's great. How is it not- how are they just so bad? I really can't say. I mean, it's not a hitter's park. You'd expect there to be pitchers flocking there to do good things. One would think. I have no idea. But, I mean, that is to say 10% of every of all the Padres games, they're, they're going to lose by a lot of runs. It's like once every other week, they're going to get blown the fuck out. You know what the worst part about it is? Is the fact that Tony Gwynn was mm. an absolute legend that was stuck on this god-awful baseball team. So sad. So sad. Have we ever talked Tony Gwynn on this, this podcast before? No, but you know, I was just going to start to talk to talk about Tony Gwynn. I was thinking he might be a good uh, commentator. Ooh, yeah. I don't, you know, I don't really remember much about his personality. He had a, a really high voice. It wasn't the voice you would think attached to a really stocky black guy, but um, just talked like a little nerdy white, white guy. Um, and he was super nice and super smart. Um, very thoughtful. I think he he could have done well in the commentary business. He has a ridiculous amount of hits in his career overall. Yeah, he has three thousand one hundred and forty one hits. <laughs> that is unbelievable. He had a season ninety. So in two in nineteen eighty four, he had a season where he had two hundred thirteen hits. In eighty six, he had two eleven. In eighty seven, he had two eighteen. In eighty nine, he had two oh three. 94, 165, 95, 197, and then 97, he had 220. Oh, my God. One, steroids. Two, (laughs) two, how were the Padres so bad? I mean, what is his war? Uh, His career. It must have been incredible. 69.2. That's pretty good. That's unbelievable. Career, he batted 338. Was on base 388, slugged 459, and OPS of 847. His batting average is so close to his on base. He must have not walked a lot. No. No. Well, with that amount of hits, I'm not surprised. Yeah. He's just a good hitter. A great hitter. I'm astounded by some of these numbers overall. Like, he had, I mean, he had a batting average. He batted 394 for a full season in 94. Oh, my God. That is crazy. 351 in 1984. So uh, before this season when they got Machado, what percentage of jerseys at Petco say Gwyn on them? I would largely say the majority. If I was ever going to buy a Padres jersey or or a shirt or anything like that, it would absolutely be Tony Gwynn's. I'm going to put it right on the money at 50%. I bet 50% of all jerseys and t-shirt style jerseys are Tony Gwynn. But Machado's got to make up the other half of that now right yeah you got trevor hoffman and some other guys in there do they respect him yet trevor hoffman's in the hall of fame but it feels it still feels like i don't hear about him as a legendary padre He's a, you know closer yeah I don't get know. a temper 
Yeah, he did. I mean, I get it. I just feel like they've never really respected him properly. That's but fair. again, this is an organization that has lost an absurd amount of games. 4,302 out of 8,000. So, but realistically, is it, it's got to be the small market thing, right? Just not having enough money? Uh, haven't they had money for a while, though, after all the profit sharing? I guess, but I, I still think that, that there's still the percentage of... I mean, ultimately, the franchise is just not valuation-wise worth yeah. what like the Yankees or the Red Sox are, and you don't have the, that kind of capital from that kind of owner. It's true. I believe that they still have not hit... They've never had a no hitter. Still, uh, not not that I recall. Yeah, they are lacking a no hitter, and the Marlins are lacking a cycle, which is crazy. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. With the amount of people that have been with the Marlins, that that's the case. Speaking of Marlins, they're second to last in win percentage. Okay, that's not surprising at all. That's not surprising, but the Padres like s- sneaky bad at baseball. No, not sneaky bad. Just always stunk out loud, I'd say. I, I guess maybe I just respect them more than the Marlins, and I like to shit on the Marlins more. Well, Florida and the like. I mean, that's... Yeah, San Diego's likable. Exactly. Like I, That's the thing. And, and like I said, Petco Park is amazing. Like We were talking about possibly doing the outfielder trip there, other than the fact that you had to fly entirely across the country. It, it was really... I mean, you've been down there a couple of times. It's awesome. Yeah, it's great. It's beautiful. Would go. I just don't understand how they, I mean, I guess they're being aggressive now. I mean, they've, there seems like they're cooking something up there. They're looking good. I mean, they've got Hunter Renfro. He's hit five home runs in the last like three games or something. Um, Fernando Tatis is on there. They've got not Mustakis, the other big guy, Hosmer. Hosmer. Yep. They do this um, thing every Myers, year though. Where, they always have someone like Adrian Gonzalez or somebody like that that's coming up that's really damn good, and they always end up trading it away for whatever reason. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. I feel like they've been purposefully bad for a while. I would they've say their intent seems different in the last few years, seasons than it has in the past, maybe. I agree. I mean, they're they're calling up guys early. They called up Tatis early. They called up Chris Paddock early to meet and you know, be a part of the club when Machado lands. Um, and I think you're right. There's there's a different attitude, and they're 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 not terrible. They're no. not terrible. I don't know how much of a threat they're going to end up being in the grand scheme of it because of the fact that the Dodgers are going to be so damn good for a while with the youth on that team. Yeah, and the fact that they're never afraid to open up their checkbook, and you know, but I mean, I. To that same vein, San Diego wasn't either in this case. So, I mean, you arguably... And, and I mean, we, do we ever really look at what that contract looks like as far as is there deferred money on it or anything like that? There's got to be. It didn't go that deep. It didn't go that deep. Yeah. I'm not sure if it, the specifics ever actually ever really came out. I know, like, how much he gets per year and everything, but I'm not sure if the specifics of the fact that it's deferred have come out or whatever. But you got to think, though, that they're being that aggressive. They went out and got Hosmer. That was a pretty good get in the grand scheme of things now that they got Machado. Yeah. It looked really dumb before, but they paid him a lot of money, too. I think they might be over 500 in a couple of years. I mean, that's a significant improvement from where they've been in the past. They are, right now, they're 35 and 37, so they're on the cusp of 500 right now. I expect them to be, like, a little bit better, like, above Arizona and competing with Colorado in a couple of years. They've got a 2.1% chance to make the postseason right now. Look out. Better than zero. Better than zero. You're right. 
And they've got some people like on the DL that are going to be kind of, I would say overall big contributors coming up. So that's going to make a difference too. But yeah. overall, so it's great to see this team actually trying to put something together based on where they've been and what you just shared with us because that was that is ludicrous and a half. So many games lost by so many runs. And so many just bad baseball games. And like, that's the other thing, man. There's never anybody at those games either. And I realize they're bad, but like a little fan help wouldn't hurt. Nope. Never hurts. Never hurts to have the support of your hometown. What other major sport do they have now? Uh, Not football. No basketball. No basketball. So no hockey. So what, I mean, get behind the Padres people, help them out a little bit. Yeah. No shit. Give these guys a shot in the arm. All right, well, that was an expansive piece on the Padres. My POS of the week. <laughs> My POS of <laughs> you the said week. that with such disdain. Like, great, we just talked about the Padres for 20 minutes. <laughs> we just talked for 20 minutes about a team that is absolutely horrible. <laughs> we'll talk about a team that we've never really talked about. True. No, I enjoyed it. I'm glad we got into a little bit of Tony Gwynn. I think we there's some outrageous Tony Gwynn stats out there that I need to dig up. I had a big list of them for the pod when we very first started it, and I don't know where they are right now, but I'll find them for a couple episodes from now. Can I make a small suggestion? Please. If you need something dug up, talk to Ben. Yeah, no, for sure. I have this already, true, with the holes and all, but I have <laughs> this stuff already like drawn up myself that I came okay. across a while back, so we'll we'll talk through it. Um, okay, so my POS of the week is going to be a recurring character. He might be, this may be his third or fourth appearance in the POS corner. I'm talking about Angel Hernandez. Oh, no. Legendary umpire Angel Hernandez is, I mean, I'll just say it. He's the fucking worst. This guy, I've never seen anybody so bad at his job as this guy. He calls the strike zone on a goddamn hair all the time and then all of a sudden expands it out for no reason and then gets pissy when people call him out for it. The, spe- the specific reason that I call him out this week, and we've already mentioned it a little bit, is during the Rangers-Red Sox series, he tossed both Alex Cora and Benintendi for arguing an outrageous ball inside and not even a half inning later tossed Chris Woodward for almost the exact same thing and what was the specific language that he used, Sam? Yeah, so Benintendi had some really poor strikes called against him. He ended up grounding out, and as he was uh, walking by the first base umpire, he looked at Angel Hernandez and he said, you fucking suck. <laughs> Good on him. But that lit him up immediately. Yes. He was run out of there immediately for that. And I kind of get that. You can't have that kind of attitude if you're, I mean, but also these guys hear so much worse. Like, what are you doing? Like, what are you taking things so seriously for? And the, I always loved looking at, I, I love, but I hate at the same time, looking at what teams are shafted more by what umpires. It does nothing but make you mad, so it's not worth looking at. But uh, Houston's by far the worst for him. And Boston's up there, too. New York, never. He never has any problem with either of the New York teams. It's, it's ridiculous, dude. That guy That's, sucks at his great. job. I mean, if you're going to be bad, I would like you to be bad to everyone. And, you know, I don't know the factors that go into that measurement, but it sure seems like it's just the umpire being, you know, maybe a little bit playing a little bit of favorites there. Exactly. And the other thing about this is I don't want to have to argue 
for umpires to keep their jobs because AI is really good at this shit now. Yeah. And that kind of thing doesn't help make that case that they're very necessary because there are guys that call great games. Yes. Joe he's West made- is one of those guys. He's had his moments, but overall he's a good he's got his he's got a good set of eyes on him overall. Yeah. He's he's had a couple old man moments, I'll sure. call them. Yeah. But um, you know, falling asleep at home plate or whatever he's doing. He just he has momentary lapses, but they're not persistent. Right. Like Angel Hernandez. And I agree, like I don't want him to make the argument so easy for robotic strike zones um that it's like a slam dunk, right? They I mean it, if they want to keep umpires and they want to keep that nostalgia as part of the game and, you know, keep the human element injected into um, play calling, then they need to fire him. Yeah. No, I agree with you and take a stand against somebody. But, I mean, we've gotten into this before. There's a lot of other tangled up things that that involve him in this whole thing, like him accusing them of persecuting against him because he's a homosexual and all this, which is not true. And... You know, he's he's had a history of that shit, too. So that that makes it really tough as well for the MLB. It feels like a line they have to walk, which is not a spot that he should put them in, but he does. Yeah. And he's also sued them for not putting them in, in uh, playoff games. But playoff games are based on merit and your accuracy calling plays. So he's complaining about not getting the job because he's unqualified. Right. And then trying to say right. that there are favorites being called here, which is not how this works. He's which a bad like- umpire. That's what he does during Astros and Red Sox games. You couldn't get rid of all the umpires, though, right? You would have to have everybody else out there, right? If you lo- if you got rid of the the home plate umpire, home- I don't yes. think you'd ever really get rid of the home plate umpire because it's so symbolic for the game, right? Yeah, and you think about pitchers being used to there being an umpire forever like it's not like they're going to install robotic strike zones at little league right right (laughs) right you'd shift at the majors you play with a wooden bat and there's a robot behind the catcher yeah but i mean maybe it's maybe it's a situation where you have you have like challenges that you can use like you do replay where you have three of them a game or whatever and if you want to argue a ball or strike then you go to the you go to you the still, camera. You still need him there for plays at home plate, yes. hit by pitch, foul tips, all that shit. So right. you're right. You still need him. But I'm just saying, though, that that would be a way that they could... Im- because that would force guys to improve their accuracy. You wouldn't have a choice. And then you take this ridiculousness out of it. You've got to I mean, do something. I'd rather just fire Angel. No, I'm with you 100%. But I I mean, if it's not him, it's going to be somebody else. Yeah. So you got to think about how to fix this, fix this quote-unquote systemic problem that you have, and you have this great technology that's probably not quite there yet. We're almost there, though, to where you could rely on that very easily to call the game as, yeah. as far as like if you want to use it for challenges and stuff. I, I wonder if there's a precedence for the MLB like having never really fired a crew chief or a, an umpire of any kind. Maybe they're just like so afraid to do so. You know, I don't think I, they've ever. I can't think of an instance where they've been like, we let go because of performance issues. But they're in their own union and everything, right? Yes. So they're yes. in their own union. So I mean, even if they were going to get rid of an umpire, you don't hear about it really. Hmm. I don't. At least I've never really heard about an umpire getting fired that I can think of. Me neither. I've heard about NBA refs, NFL refs, all that stuff, but not. And maybe we haven't been looking for it either. That could definitely be my ignorance too, but I don't think so. I don't recall that ever. And not not in the recent 
10 years or so. I can tell you that. Yeah, for sure. Interesting. But I just feel like they could definitely take steps to improve it that way instead of this whole song and dance of people having to worry about will this guy actually call the game properly? Because that's I mean, do they do retrospectives on their games and like get a score sheet and say like, oh, I really did mess that up. Here's what the analytics say. They must. I would think so. I mean, how do how else do you get better at it? I don't know. But I, I also guess you would make the argument that you've been doing it long enough at the ma- if you're at the major league level that you should be able to get it right, which I don't hate. No, I'm but, okay with that. Angel Angel is done with the game and he calls his lawyer. Right, which is just insane. And I feel like guys shouldn't have to worry about whether the game's going to be called properly. I just can't get past that, and I feel like that takes a little bit of the human element out of the game, but that's I don't know if that's a bad thing. I mean, what... Yeah. At, at this point, are we really in this whole let's not change baseball mode? I mean, we're we've got to be past that now, right? We're we're it's accelerating. I think the rate of change. Okay, but are there really but, any like people like our parents' age sitting around saying don't change baseball? Well, I think it's kind of like Trump voters. You don't really talk to those folks. <laughs> Fair, but I'm just I'm curious. I, I and that's why I ask. I mean, if if there are people out there that can pose that argument, please, like we want to chat with you because. I mean, I'm def- I'm definitely curious to hear that side of it because yeah. I I just I feel like we've identified so many ways to like minimal I wouldn't say minimal changes some of them have been ma- major changes but I say I feel like every episode we talk about these little changes that could help the game quality yeah and I'm I, looking for quality yeah. of game and longevity of it like right. I want it to be right for future generations and I'm I don't want to be reactive at to the point where. You know, oh shit, we need to make drastic changes because no one's watching. Right. I was going to say, let's just get ahead of the curve. Exactly. No pun intended. (laughs) No, but there's this annoyance I feel like players have when, I mean, it's just, especially once you get to the playoffs and all that stuff. Like, that's the other thing about him, though, is how does he even make it to a playoff cruise at all? I have no idea. Is it one of those things where he... I feel like I looked at the numbers on this last year, so I'd have to go back and relook at it again. But it must be one of those things where he majority gets his calls right, but when his calls are wrong, they're really wrong, and they're really vocal about it. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that were the case. Just like egregiously wrong calls. I would not put egregiously wrong calls past him at all. But no, we see them all the time. There was I saw a clip the other day of a ball that was you know middle-low, like right in the middle of the plate. Yeah. And the batter acted like it was a strike and the catcher's about to throw the ball and he, he doesn't say anything as though it's a ball and the catcher just stops and looks at him and he's like, what was he's it? Kinda, just kind of puts his hands up and throws the ball back. It's like, so, you got one job, dude. <laughs> it was right in the middle of the strike zone. Good God, man. Ugh. So, just, I mean, he's got to be in the piece of shit hall of fame, the posh of, if you might, if you will. Absolutely, man. Like, I don't know if we have a Hall of Fame, but we should start one. And he, he is a, a first ballot Hall of Famer, I'll tell you. Yeah, for sure. Just Inaugural the inductee. He comes up like one in every five episodes. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I think we've named him thrice. At least. And that's just in the time that, like, because at first you were just doing this. But then now we've all started doing it. And I feel like we've all had him in our POS quarter at least once. I'm not sure not about Ben. No, not a good hit rate for him at all. Not at all. Well, he'll be the first inductee, I think. We'll we'll get that together over the All Star break, maybe. Yeah, love it. All right. Well, good POS corner.
So a couple of big acquisitions that happened this week. Probably the biggest one is this Yankees thing. They acquired Edwin Encarnacion from the Mariners, who seem to be just doing a good old-fashioned sell-off right in the middle of the season. It's not a bad time to get rid of him if they're willing to take that contract on and pay it. But what do you feel like this says about where the Yankees are at? Well, the Yankees, I mean, so they had to send down Clint Frazier for this, which I, I would be against. There are guys like Cameron Mabin and Brett Gardner who need to be sent down way before. <laughs> There's zero chance Brett Gardner has any <laughs> minor league options, but hey, that'd be great if he did. <laughs> but I mean, they just don't have the... There There are other guys that should have been sent down before Clint Frazier to get make room for Edwin. So the the, the other thing that I want to talk about with this is, uh, yeah, yes, it's a good move for the Yankees. No team is getting worse by adding Encarnacion. Let's be very clear about that. Strong agree. Outside of them very clearly needing pitching over hitting, like there, there's no argument against getting an Encarnacion. Like every team's going to get better. So good on them for getting him. However, they are just like totally laced with right-handed pitching now. And you can plan for that. Yeah. Like as, a, as an opposing pitching staff, like you can plan against a, a land, lineup entirely made out of righties. It's Judge and Stanton, Voigt, and Sanchez and now Encarnacion, they're all right-handed guys. It's easier for a pitching staff to get around that than people think. I agree, but does this have anything to do with the new rule with they have to hit, face three batters no matter what? Um, I mean, I feel like you could yeah. still plan around that pretty easily, though, right? Yeah, I think so. I don't think like that'd be hard to plan around. No, but these guys are all bombers. Make no mistake, they're all very dangerous hitters. But to have no lefties in that mix, I don't. I don't know if there are any. I think there's like a couple, but it's not quite as Dodgers like right, left, right, left, where they're hitting power and for average all the time. This is just like a murderer's row of right-handed guys, and yeah, I think you can plan around that a little bit better. But still, super scary. Um, sad that they had to send down Clint Frazier, who's just had like a really terrible run of luck with the Yankees organization and New York in general. He really has. Um, and you know the Mariners didn't really get anything for this, so I don't know what were they really just unloading cap? Yeah, they're just trying to unload salary. I mean, he was owed like twenty million with like a five million dollar option that the team had to pay if he made it x amount of games, which he's already made it. So it's something one of those types of things. Yeah. So it was a big deal that that they probably needed to get off of, which I I understand that part of it for Seattle, and they got a pitching prospect back. So you know whatever, probably cash considerations, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, so I, I, in my mind, this is, I've got two main things that I think about. One, I feel like Boston's starting to turn a corner a little bit. And yeah, so I agree. they've got to have that on the brain just a tad. And I still think that they're, I mean, front to back so far, they've been a lot better. I mean, no <laughs> doubt about that. I like how you said on the brain, like it's encephalitis or syphilis or something. Oh, absolutely. No, <laughs> they've got that on the brain for sure. I'm going to keep saying that. Uh, so they're thinking about that a little bit, I would think. And especially, I mean, you've still got the Rays in between them, too. you got to be thinking about that th- as well. The other part of this that is really interesting to me, it, kind of to your point, is like you're adding a ton more power to a very powerful lineup. And this thing with Giancarlo Stanton has been kind of weird, where he's been kind of piddling around with this injury, I think and kind of keeps going from injury to injury, you got to wonder, I mean, where does he fit in all of this? You, 
you got to think, I mean, it, they've already kind of got things sealed up there. So you almost got to wonder, is this judge thing, uh, which I th- it sounds like he's pretty close to returning, or is this Giancarlo thing, is that a problem? And you got to think they may be preparing for that. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, a couple of injury-prone guys. And, you know, you've got, you bring in Encarnacion. He's going to play DH. You don't want him in the field. And this is a time when you're going to bring back Judge and Stanton. And you're going to want to give them rest days where they're still at the plate playing DH. So, I mean, like, is Encarnacion going to sit? Is he going to be playing, like, left field or something weird? Like, what is, what's going to go on there when they want to rest him? Or are they just going to play Judge and Giancarlo a lot right away? That's dangerous. Every single bit of me wants to see Edward Encarnacion being the Brock Holt of the Yankees. Every oh, bit of me wants man. to see that. <laughs> Holt. I'm just saying, like, those, those kind of ba- or Eduardo Nunez, if you will, the bounce around guys that just fill in spots whenever necessary. Eduardo Nunez is now where? I mix up him and Escobar. No, he's with Boston still. He okay. resigned there Nunez, for another year. Escobar must be on the Diamondbacks then. Yes. I mix Got it. Yeah. But I think they've got to be planning around all that a little bit. I, I just, man, at the end of the day, though, the Red Sox go into Yankee Stadium and they roll out price sale and whatever else comes after that. I mean, those are two almost guaranteed. I mean, those are two lefty starts that can get around that lineup. Okay. I yep. just feel like that's an interesting road to go down. The numbers must show them something. Yeah, for sure. I mean, again, your team's not getting worse with this guy. Um, and yes, they need more pitching and maybe they need some more left-handed hitting, but they'll, they'll, if they want to go get that, they can still go get that. I will say that the Red Sox kind of made lefties versus righties matchups last year look kind of stupid. So, you think so? I, <laughs> the way their lineups were constructed. Yeah. Cause there was a lot of times where like JD didn't, he wouldn't have the lineup protection you would think he would have and just things that obviously look like the numbers told him something else. And if you know what you're looking at as far as like kind of how it used to look 10 years ago versus how it looks now, you can kind of see that. But I I think that's probably a big part of the Yankees thinking here. I'm, I mean, this is kind of what we were talking about earlier where you're going to have the trade deadline coming up. You're going to have some of these things being done earlier and you're going to have teams that are going to be realistically looking to get rid of really good pieces. You got to be ready to capitalize on that. A, yeah. a team like the Twins or somebody like that should be ashamed of themselves for not cap- capitalizing on that. Ooh, interesting. I wonder if they knew that it was a thing, right? Maybe Seattle was trying to give him to the Yankees only. Maybe, but you've got, I mean, if you're as good as, as you know, like Minnesota is right now, you've got to be making calls at, at different times to be keeping an eye on what the market looks like. Because we Do don't know think- what this market's going to look like. Yeah. That's a really good point with the new the new deadline. It's hard to say what it's going to look like, but I mean, we're saying we're going to see earlier trades and that seems to be the trend that we're seeing, you know. That's only going to pick up steam as we move closer, like march closer to the deadline. Right. Now, quick question about the Twins. Do you think they know how to be good enough to do what we need them to do to make those early calls? Or are they just like, "Oh, we're good. It's cool. We're we're good." Uh no, I don't think so. I think I think the best way to think about the Twins right now is they're the 2017 Red Sox where they're almost there, but they're not quite there yet. Interesting. And they're going to need to... Their their trade deadline is going to be fascinating. That's all I can say. 
I hope they get some pitching and really make it worth their while. Worth. I, I want them to like make the CS. That could be cool. Your boy, your boy Geo has managed to work himself up into quite the commodity come this trade deadline. So, I mean, that could be someone that they could really look to get from Chicago who could really help them. Oh yeah, for sure. Giolito, he's been yeah. nails. He's had like eight wins in a row or something. Yeah, something ridiculous like that. Yeah, and he's Good never been that kind of pitcher. No, but that's what he was supposed to be all along. Right. Hmm. Gets away from the Nationals. Gets better. Amazing. <laughs> that's a different Geo. Is it? Is it really? No, he got. You're thinking Geo Gonzalez. I thought uh, Giolito was he part of the Nationals? Yeah, he was there for one at uh, one point. Hmm. Yeah, I've always called him Geo just because it's easier to say than Giolito. Yeah. Yeah. But I. That's another topic I want to ask you about. What the hell is up with the White Sox? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, they've got some guys who can crush the ball. They've got um, Yohan Moncada. They've got um, Jose Abreu. And then um, Eloy? Eloy? Eloy. Jimenez? Yeah, Jimenez. That guy crushes the shit out of the baseball. And then they also have a guy in the minors named Lewis Robert who's hitting like f- no shit like 402. The, are they going to fuck this up, though? <laughs> <laughs> Feels like they're going to fuck it up. <laughs> Yeah, they'll fuck it up. Don't worry. Yeah, they'll no. Find a way. You know how I know they're gonna be fucked. How they're gonna fuck it up? They haven't been good since like 2007. Yeah, I feel <laughs> since Paul think- Canerco was on that team. Oh man, and Chris Sale. Yeah, for sure, young Chris <laughs> Sale, but Chris Sale nonetheless. Yeah, they'll fuck this trade deadline up for sure. They'll manage to trade away somebody really good for like peanuts, or maybe a you know standard white Maytag washer dryer combo. Possibly. I feel Can like we that call was- that. That's the Ronald Guzman special. That's right. <laughs> I knew there was somebody that that was named after, but I couldn't remember who. It's great. It's historical things right there. Yeah, I, I I'm just feel like they've been so bad for so long, but maybe 12 years is a long time, man. They've been really bad for a long time. There are, there are other teams we could pick on in the same vein, for sure. Oh, no doubt about it. But it just Jason was talking to me about them the other day, and I was like, what are we, what are we really talking about here? I haven't seen anything out of them yet. And half those players were, were players that they got from other teams and trades, which that's how it works, but that's none of your own homegrown talent. No, not at all. Even Jimenez signed as a like an international player outside of the organization. Yeah. They're they could be good if they if they were to have a couple of good seasons in a row with trades and acquisitions and some talent being grown. Um, but you know, I don't I don't think so. They haven't seemed to be able to put that together in a very long time, despite some of the some of the talent they've had. Is it? I haven't looked at it this year, but I know in the last two years they've rolled out the youngest roster in baseball by a long by a long shot. I'm okay with that. Is it? Uh, is that the case this year? I mean, the Marlins rolled out like just nobodies. Yeah, they really have. I kind of forget they're a baseball team. To be real honest with you. I mean, we went over their lineup when we did Marlin or Big Fish Politician, but it's really just a bunch of Bretts and Corys and yeah, a lot of Chads, Daniels, <laughs> a lot of Chads out there. Yeah, hanging Chads. And it, it also doesn't help the White Sox in any way, shape, or form. I mean, they're two games under five hundred. Uh, I mean, Detroit's purposely trying to be terrible. They straight up told Nick Castellanos the other day. He asked them about an extension just because he's always been there and wants to stay, and they were like, "I'm, we're not in any position to give out extensions." Which oh. good on them to know that. But poor guy. Yeah, I, he could be really good. He could be. I, so, well, which case I think they'll be moving him at the deadline for sure. And I mean, there are a lot of teams that are going to probably be in the the market for a decent on base guy. 
this is going to be a really interesting deadline. It's going to be great, dude. I can't, this is probably going to be one of the more exciting ones because it feels like the lands are probably pretty flat right now. Everything's pretty wide open, it feels. Pretty wide open. I mean, we just talked about the AL Central for like, I don't know, nine minutes maybe. I know. it's a, it, We're working our way up. <laughs> we didn't talk about the Royals, and I'm, I'm proud of us for that. <laughs> yeah, well, they suck. Yeah, but I, I think the, the White Sox are definitely not going to be benefited by Minnesota being as good. But Cleveland's on the way down. On the way down, yeah. I mean, will they get Mike Clevenger back? They're still missing Corey Kluber. Andrew Miller's not with them anymore, and he's not that good anymore. Like, yeah, I think you're you're probably right. Is I was thinking about this the other day. So in 2014, the Red Sox, whenever they trade away John Lester, they also made a, a trade that was way less talked about. They traded Andrew Miller for uh, to the Orioles for Eduardo Rodriguez, oh, the pitcher. Yes, and so who got the better end of that deal? Ooh, I got to go with the Erod team. Because I think so too, right? He's not consistently good, but he's not bad. He was good last year when he was healthy. He should get. He should round himself back into form this season too. I think. I he, like. I, I, I'm an Erod guy. I like him. Me too. I've liked him a lot for a long time and thought he has the stuff. He's always just kind of on the precipice of almost there, but not quite there. I mean, maybe that's just what he is. Maybe he's a 3-4 guy. Yeah, and that's okay. You need a guy who can do um, do some things in the 3-4 slot and not, you know. Not fuck up it shot. up, basically. Yeah, don't fuck it up, Erod. Yeah. So I I've th- I was thinking about that the other day because it seems trajectory-wise like Andrew Miller has had a better trajectory, but I feel like, I mean, he's pretty much almost out of the league at this point. I'm pretty sure he's still on the Indians, but got to be hurt, right? No, he's on the Cardinals. Is he really? I didn't even know that. See? I'm- yeah, I'm pretty sure he's a cardinal now. Um, mm. I think his peak was very, very high. Yes. Um, and then Erod sort of is in the you know the mesas of New Mexico. He's got a high plateau. He's uh so you're correct about the Cardinals. He's three and two. He got a 386 ERA, 23 innings pitched, struck out 34. So I mean, eh, not bad. That's fine. Those stats are fine. I think the Indians really ran him into the ground. He hasn't been right since he left that team. Dude, they rode him throughout the playoffs because they had nothing in the tank left. I mean, yeah, he was pitching two or three innings a night, I swear. That's insanity. Like, for a guy like that, and (laughs) this will probably make you roll your eyes even more so, the Red Sox had him as a starter at one point. Wow. Well, he's had electric stuff. I don't see him coming back anytime soon. No, and again, I mean, he's not terrible. I mean, it's not a bad addition for the Cardinals overall. No, but this is a guy that should be a close, like three years ago should have been a closer on any team, and now he's not. I think he's like seven or eight. I feel like the Red Sox won that trade. Yeah, I agree. I think for the, at least you got a long-term starter in return there that has had, I mean, he's been relatively healthy. And he contributed to the excellent season last year. He sure did. I mean, more. Yeah, I mean, he had a great season last year. So I, I think you ultimately, it would have been great to have had an Andrew Miller guy, but you didn't really need him last year. And I mean, they're, they they kind of do need somebody like that now. But I mean, yeah. for the time being, you I, think about just raw value of a starter versus a reliever. Like, start always take a starter, and always, you know, yeah. regardless of the the you know peripherals. Like, I think yeah, Erod won that trade. Do you think? In that same vein, do you think Boston did better to let David or to let John Lester go and, and trade him like they did for Cespedes, which eventually turned into Porcello? 
do you think it was better to do that and then sign David Price, or do you think it would have been better to just throw the max at Lester? Um, I'm not a John Lester guy. I think he works too slow. He annoys the hell out of me. I'll do anything to not be on John Lester's team. I get that. He's worked slower in recent years. Yeah, but he's had he had some good years with the Cubs after that. Um, no, I like the the move for Priscillo and then the eventual signing of Price. I yeah. think that was another great move. I think at the end of the day, you I mean you ended up with an extra Cy Young winning pitcher. So I mean, yeah, I mean regardless of whether that deserves an asterisk or not. <laughs> He still no. won a Cy Young. <laughs> Fuck asterisks. He was damn good that year, but there was not a lot around competition-wise for him. No, not at all. So no, to- but they, yeah, Red Sox won that one too. Great moves, no doubt. I, I've I've just wondered about that because for a long time it felt like letting John Lester go was really a bad idea. I saw something. It was like my, on my time hop the other day, and I had tweeted like several years ago that I. I had, it just kills me every time I think about them trading John Lester or no offering John Lester. Four years, $70 million as a contract. Oh, my God. What? Actually, that still makes me mad, regardless of whether he signed there or not. You know what? Good. I'm glad that he went and signed somewhere else because that was fucking insulting. That would have been a lot of money wasted. Dude, a lot of money and years for somebody who's not going to be around that much longer. Yeah. So... Mm. All right, man. Well, I guess we'll go ahead and wrap things up. It's been a a great show, so I'm glad we got to talk a little bit of baseball. Hopefully, Ben will be back next week, and uh, we'll get him back in here with us. Hell yes. All right. Hell yes, for sure. All right. Well, we want to remind everyone to follow us on social media. That is at the Outfielder Pod on Instagram and on Facebook, Sensibly Loud Media on Facebook as well. And we want to remind everyone to check out the website, SensiblyLoud.com, for all your blogs, pods, and more. And also, we do have a phone number, so we want to hear from you guys. If you guys have different takes or things that we want to talk about, we, like earlier, we asked for uh, someone calling in to talk a little bit about the other side of trying to preserve baseball the same way. So if you feel that way, give us a call. That number is 972-885-9361. Again, that's 972-885-9361. Leave us a message, and we'll play it on the show and and give you our takes. So uh, we want to thank everyone for tuning in for Episode 70 of the Outfielder Podcast. We would like to thank all of our fans, Sensibly Loud Media, our sponsors, and those with a sharp eye to keep the runners close. Grounds crew, please keep patrolling that outfield. Big ups to Kevin Towers. Don't text and drive. And we'll see you right back here next time on the Outfielder Podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah.